as is our custom here at La Sierra, let's stand for the reading of the word. It helps focus our mind and our attention um, as we read together. This is Lamentations chapter 3. The thought of my affliction and my homelessness is wormwood and gall. My soul continuously thinks of it and is bowed down within me. But this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I will hope in him. The word of God. You may be seated. I would like to add my Happy New Year. I'm glad that you are here. Whether you went to bed at 8 o'clock last night or 2.30 a.m., you made it. And those of you who are joining us online, thank you for spending some of these early hours of 2022 with us here at the La Sierra University Church. If this is your first time here, we believe greatly here in wellness, not just for ourselves, but for our communities and our neighborhood, particularly the 92505. It's a huge commitment for us. We also are a church between two campuses, La Sierra Academy, which now is preschool, through 12th grade and then La Sierra University. And very soon there will be students back on both of those campuses starting out 2022. I myself am grateful to serve as a discipleship pastor here at La Sierra University Church. And I was a student a little while ago over at La Sierra University here. And when I was a student, I had the privilege of living in the dorms. I lived with my cousin, Rochelle Webster, and it was great to have not only a, a, a companion in my cousin, but also a competitor and someone where we could complain together. So we developed a little tradition between the two of us. When things got particularly stressful, because school is hard, it's not easy, and there's those moments, if it's dead week or finals week, or just everything is building up and, and the stress, we're just struggling to deal with it. So somewhere along the way, we came up with this tradition of sharing our woes. And we would literally do this back and forth, trying to outdo the other with our woes. This is something like what it would sound like. I, I would say, woe is me, like, like some feeling, some emphasis, right? It helps when you're stressed. Woe is me, I have a 20-page paper due tomorrow that I haven't started yet. And then my cousin would think, and then she would come back with a comeback. Woe is me, I have a test on Friday that I haven't started studying for yet. And we would make our woes as bad as we could think of and as dramatic as we could express them back and forth, back and forth. And by the end, we started to feel just a little bit better about our lives as students at La Sierra University. They were exaggerated. And sometimes we, we laughed by the end of it. But in the Bible, there is a whole book that's full of woe is me. It's called the Book of Lamentations. It's in the Old Testament. And it starts out describing a city that is weeping like a widow who has lost everything. The poet of Lamentations is crying over the fall of the city of Jerusalem in 587 BCE. That's about 2,500 years ago that we get these woes. 
to the Babylonians, which ended the kingdom of Judah. So their country, their nation has been destroyed. Their city is in, uh, in is completely desolate. The temple, the place where God's presence was seen among them is no more. And the situation is desperate. Children are dying in the streets of hunger. Lamentations 2 verse 12, they cry to their mothers, where is bread and wine? As they faint like the wounded in the streets of the city, as their life is poured out on their mother's bosom. Lamentations is five chapters long. You can read it in maybe 20 minutes or less, five chapters long. The original Hebrew um, in the first four chapters, chapters one, two, and three, and four, is written in a poetic form called kinameter, which is nothing we would be familiar with today, but it's a style of poetry that was used for funerals. This is a funeral book, a funeral song. Not only is it in the style written for funerals, but it's also something called an acrostic. An acrostic is a poem that goes from A to Z, as it were. So the first line is A, and then B, etc. Most English, English translations don't even try and translate what that would be like for us uh, with the Hebrew words. But just to give you a sense, in the Knox Bible translation, um, the, it tries to capture that acrostic nature of, the, of these chapters. And so, from chapter 1... Um, in the Knox Bible translation, look, listen for the A, B, and C. We're going to read the first three verses. Alone she dwells, the city erewhile so populous, a widow now, once a queen among the nations, tributary now, that once had provinces at her command. B, sure, she weeps. There in the darkness, her cheeks are wet with tears. Of all that courted her, none left to console her. All those lovers grown weary of her and turned into enemies. Cruel the suffering and the bondage of Judah's exile, that she must needs dwell among the heathen, nor respite can she find close at her heels the pursuit and peril on either hand. Did you hear it? Alone, be sure, cruel. An A through Z description of the grief and the loss. Uh, And I love that this is in the Bible. I love that it's here because it encourages us to list everything from A to Z in our losses and our disappointments, our discouragements, what we're missing, the sadness, the guilt, the anger that we might be feeling this morning, our confusion about where is God in all of this? Grief is comprehensive and confusing and the poet doesn't try to make sense of it all. In fact, in these poems, we see contradictory ideas and conflicting emotions. It's like a catalog of grief, and it's all included, even if it doesn't all make sense together. On the one hand, the description of Jerusalem is seen as punishment from God, and a well-deserved one at that. Lamentations 1, verse 8, the first part says, Jerusalem sinned grievously, so she has become a mockery. In other words, this all happened to you because you were bad and God punished you. And yet, on the other hand, the poet rages against Judah's enemies, the one that did the destruction supposedly from the hand of God, and asks God then to punish them for what they've done. Now, wait a minute. <laughs> doesn't make sense. If they were obeying what God said to punish you, then why should God punish them? But it's all here in the book of Lamentations. 
Lamentations 3, 64 through 68. Pay them back for their deeds, O Lord, according to the work of their hands. Give them anguish of heart. Your curse be on them. Have you ever prayed for someone to be cursed? It's in the Bible. Pursue them in anger and destroy them from under the Lord's heavens. It's all there in this catalog of grief from A to Z in this confusion of oh, where is God in the midst of all of this? Lamentations are meant to be expressions of grief, not expositions of religious teaching. We need to take them as such. There is no neatly tied bow on this package. During our four days with Jesus of Easter of 2021, we practiced lament, and if you, maybe you still have them somewhere, some sticky notes, and on them it said, turn, complain, ask, and trust. These movements of lament, turning toward God instead of away from God, complaining at God, asking God why, and then choosing to trust God in the midst of all of that, practicing lament. When you look at your 2021, what are your lamentations? I encourage you, later this afternoon, sometime during this week, as part of a quiet time, I encourage you to list them from A to Z. I did this in my journal this week. I went A through M, lined them all up, and then the next letters, N through Z. And I wrote the ways that life has seemed to fall apart this year either for myself personally or for us as a community and as a world. I didn't try to say, okay, let me think of an A, let me think of a B. I just thought of things and fit them in my, my A through Z lament. I looked at 2021 year in review. You might need to remind yourself, what happened in 2021? It all seems to be a little bit of a blur. Look at your pictures, your posts, your journal if you have one, and remember... Remember, what are your losses and your griefs and your disappointments and your sadnesses from 2021? I realized while reading my list over again, because I didn't do it in order with the letters, reading it over again, I had capital riot for numbers, letter C and riot on the capital for letter R. I guess that made a big impact on me. It was a little destabilizing for me. My D is deaths from COVID. Did you know that more people died of COVID in 2021 than 2020? Surprised me because I thought, well, we have the vaccines, you know, so many wonderful things, but 385,366 people died of COVID in 2020. 426,749 people as of the time of this article died in 2021. My F is the flood from Hurricane Ida. My G is the gold spa shooting. W is worries in general. And my X is, X is a hard one. I actually had to look at all the words that starting with X. There's some websites where you can do that for Scrabble or other things. But my X, it just hit me as soon as I heard it. Xenophobia, the fear of the other. Afghanistan made it in twice for me. Jay, jumping off planes, those horrible images of people desperate to get out during that time. And Z being zealous Taliban fighters. Some of the things I included happened to me personally, but most of them were communal or global turmoil, pain, or regrets. Growing up, I was called a goody two-shoes and a teacher's pet, and well-deservingly so. 
because I loved the approval of my teachers and my parents too much to get into any real kind of trouble. I thrived on that, on that kind of approval. And because I was such a people pleaser, it was very hard for me to relate to the concept of sin and sinfulness because I didn't get in trouble. I was the little good, good girl. And perhaps there were people out there that could be called sinners, but I had to really try hard to convince myself that I could be one of them. Perhaps Lamentations can help me and help us here too. In the book of Lamentations, there's four different Hebrew words to describe sin. The first one is pesha, which is, could be translated to transgress, trespass, or breakaway. And the basic idea behind this one is expansion, but in the wrong direction, okay? You're, you're expanding, but you're, not, you're trespassing, you're going further than you should, you're like crossing all the boundary markers. The next word used in lamentation is chata, which means to sin or to miss the mark. The third word is mara, to be bitter or unpleasant, to disobey or rebel against. And I just learned this Christmas that mara is the root verb for the name Miriam, Maria, or Mary, which was a, a surprise for me. Mara, this word bitterness. Mary and Miriam certainly transformed the meaning of, the, of our understanding of that word. Finally, the final word for sin in Lamentations is avon, which means iniquity, guilt, or punishment. Now, because of my people-pleasing self, I have a hard time relating much to Pisha, to going, you know, past the boundaries, or to Mara, being bitter and unpleasant. I was always a little bit of an optimistic and always positive, or what have you, or Avon, the guilt and punishment, because I always try to stay out of trouble. But guess which one hits me hard? Chata. Chata. It's easy for me to relate to missing the mark shooting at something and not making it, falling short, chata. How many of you made New Year's resolutions? Raise your hand. Did anybody here make some? There's some at the back. I'm surprised. Any New Year's goals? Anybody write down, share a goal with someone? This congregation is full of pessimists. An economist, YouGov poll of 1,500 adults in U.S. said just one in four, so you're in good company, only one in four uh, Americans made, in this poll, made New Year's resolutions this year. And guess what? The younger you were, the more likely you were to make resolutions. I wonder why that is. Some of us who have been around a little bit longer, and maybe even a little bit longer, have done this before, been around this block, hit January 1 a few more times, and felt like, hmm... Maybe not. For those who did make resolutions, um, the top resolution was being healthier, followed by personal improvement or happiness, followed by losing weight, which got a category all on its own. Hey, it's been the pandemic, friends. Even uh, listed by itself besides living healthier, and then career goals and financial goals. Four out of five people who made those resolutions said that they were somewhat or very confident that they would be able to stick with them. In other words, 80% said, no, I'm making this and I'm gonna stick with it. But studies and other things and perhaps life experience for a lot of us says that that's not really usually the case. 
In a study from the University of Scranton, it found that just 8% of people achieve their New Year's goals. 80% fail to keep their New Year's resolutions. There's an activity logging company, Strava, that used 800 million user logged activities for 2019, and they even predicted the day that most people give up on their New Year's resolutions. Why? Because so many people have exercise-related resolutions and they're tracking in Strava, so they can tell when all the activity starts to drop off and what day do you think it is? <laughs> January 2. A little bit better, people do a little bit better. They've actually named it quitting day, January 19. Just short of three weeks. Just short of three weeks. So what shall we do? Shall we just not try or just not aim at anything? Um, the saying goes, if you aim at nothing, you will hit it every time. Should we just be content with, with the way things are and not set goals? Perhaps Lamentations can help us again in chapter three. In chapter three, the poet raises the intensity. Instead of one line per letter, we now have three lines per letter. Instead of 22 verses, we now have 66 verses. And here's what it sounds like again in Knox's version. Listen for the A's. Ah, what straits have I known under the avenging rod? Asked I for light. Into deep shadow the Lord's guidance led me. Always upon me, none other falls endlessly the blow. It's gotten more intense here. There's three A's, three B's, three C's. Maybe if you had especially awful 2021, maybe you wanna do three A's and three B's and three C's um, in your list of lamentations. It's gotten more intense here, and the poet goes from talking about Judah to talking as Judah, to using first person, I and we. It's personal for the poet. Now, I already told you that lamentation should not be used um, as a theological guideline for what to think about God, but I especially don't like the poet's theology in chapter three. Why, you read it through it and you'll be a little bit shocked. In chapter three, the poet piles up metaphors that develop an idea from earlier in the book in chapter two where the poet says, God has become like an enemy. God is an enemy. How? God has imprisoned the poet behind walls and in chains. God is a bear and a lion that has torn the poet to shreds. God has shot arrows into the poet's vitals. God has ground the poet's teeth on gravel. The poet asks a rhetorical question in chapter three, verse 38. Is it not from the mouth of the Most High that good and bad come? The poet expects a yes. This is a rhetorical question. I say a resounding no. No, good and bad doesn't all come from the mouth of the Lord. But even with a view of God that I find reprehensible and problematic, the poet makes a turn here that is significant. Verse 21, but this I call to mind and therefore I have hope. This is how I can have hope for this new year. This is how I can have hope in the midst of the destruction of my city, my temple, where it seems like God is not there anymore. This is how I can have hope. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. We can have hope. We can anticipate, we can expect that something good is coming, that something better is coming because of three aspects of God's character that the poet mentions here. Three parts of who God is. First, it says the steadfast love of the Lord. 
In Hebrew, this is chesed. It means loving kindness or loyal kindness. This is the kindness that God prefers instead of burnt offerings and sacrifices. Where have you experienced God's chesed or God's steadfast love, God's loving kindness in 2021? So I took my journal and I did the exercise a second time. Again, I wrote A through M and I wrote N through Z. And this time I was looking back in 2021 for where I'd seen the goodness of the Lord. So many of my letters were the first names of people that I've appreciated this year. My V is for vaccines. Worldwide, we've administered now 8.5 billion doses. Did you know that? Wow. More than 7.8 billion, more than the 7.8 billion humans on the planet. Almost half the world is vaccinated now. My U is underwater, as I had the joy of being in the baptistry again this year. My F is the Facebook campus. Thank you for those who are joining us on Facebook and the community we've been able to foster on Facebook in 2021. My I is for indictments, where people were held responsible this year for the killing of George Floyd and Ahmaud Arbery. Again, at times I had to look up words for letters or letters for words to try to spark ideas, but going through the ways I've seen goodness, God's goodness in 2021 reminded me of things I might have forgotten or missed. God's chesed, God's steadfast love is how we can have hope. And to remind ourselves of the way we've seen God's steadfast love in 2021 will help us going now into 2022. The next word Sometimes verse 22 is translated in slightly different ways. You might see in your Bible, we are not consumed for his compassions never fail. Or you might see, never ceases, his mercies never come to an end. It's just different ways of translating the same words. The idea basically is it's because of God's compassion that we're still here. And God's compassion never comes to an end. The word in Hebrew is ramin. Compassion, the root word is rehem, which means womb. So I want to give you a new thought on this word compassion. God's compassion is God's womb-likeness. What is a womb? It's a place we all came from. All right, they don't have any uh, mechanical ones yet, although I know that they're working on that for premature babies. It's where we all came from, the womb. God's compassion is God's womb-likeness. Translated here, God's mercies never fail. God's womb-likeness never fails. What does that mean? There are always new possibilities in your life, in my life. We are always being born anew. We can become new people each and every day. And the very next word in the Hebrew in the next verse is new. New every morning, great is your faithfulness. New every morning, God's mercies, God's womb like this is new. Every time you, your alarm goes, every time you raise your head from your pillow, God's mercies, God's womb likeness, God's compassion for you is new. New every morning. Not because of what you and I can manufacture or the goals that we make, but because of a God who is cooking up, baking up, birthing up new growth for you and me every day. And if we quit on January 19 or fail a lot sooner than that, we don't have to wait till January 1, 2023 to live out a new possibility. 
Dr. Marcelo Campos, a lecturer at Harvard, Harvard Medical School, put it this way, quote, January 1st is just a day in the calendar. You can reset your calendar every day for a fresh start. Go back to the beginning and revisit that first question to remind yourself of the rewards of making the change. Just a day on the calendar. Your January 1 can be tomorrow or the next day and the next day and the next day. It can be March 28 can be your January 1. It's just a day on the calendar, but every day is an opportunity for a new start. What question is he talking about? As you set goals, and I believe it's important to do this in our lives, as we set resolutions, as we set goals, Dr. Campos encourages us to think about five questions. Number one, why do you want to make the change? This is what he's talking about going back to. So if you say, hey, I want to read my Bible more. A lot of Christians have this goal. I want to read my Bible more, okay? So why? <laughs> what are those reasons? List those out. Is it because you want more peace in your life? Is it because you want to understand the stories more? You want to spend more time with God? You want to be a more joyful person? Why is it? Write that down. Number two, is your goal concrete and measurable? So you want to say, read your Bible more. Well, that's very general, and who knows if you're going to make it or not. What is that specifically? Are you going to say, hey, I want to read five minutes a day? What is that specific goal? And number three, what is your plan? If you just say, I'm going to open my Bible and turn and read for five minutes, it's probably not going to happen, likely. But what is your specific plan? A lot of people like to use YouVersion, which is the most popular Bible app, and they have plans. They have daily plans. They tell you exactly what to read, and they have all sorts of different topics. You can look for joy or depression or dating or parenting or whatever you're going through. You can look for a topic uh, for a plan that you can go through. Who can support you as you work towards change? Who are you going to tell that, hey, I want to read my Bible more and this is my plan. Would you encourage me? Will you check in with me in a week and see how it's going? Who are you going to tell? And then finally, how will you celebrate your victories? What's that going to look like? Don't wait till January 1, 2023 to celebrate. How are you going to uh, experience joy over the progress that you've made? There's one more word I'm going to share with you before we end. Great is your faithfulness. Great is your faithfulness. The word here for faithfulness could actually be translated steadiness. Steadiness. It's from Exodus 17, verse 12, where the Israelites are in a battle, and Moses' arms are, he's holding his arms up, and they're, they're winning. And as soon as those arms slip down, they're losing. And so finally, Aaron and Ur say, hey, we're going to go and we're going to hold your hands up because we're not losing this battle. And so they go and they hold up the hands and it says, Moses' hands were steady or faithful. They were steady. When I am not faithful, God is faithful. When I am not steady, God is steady. This reminds me of a Nike commercial you know a company has been successful advertising when you remember their commercial a decade or so later? This one was from 2012. And uh, the commercial features an original song, I Would Run To You. It's a story of a couple separated by a continent. The woman lives in California, the man lives in New York City, and they determine that they're gonna meet halfway by running, all right? And they sing the lines back and forth to the song. In the beginning, 
They're both equally enthusiastic and committed. The woman sings, first time you talk to me, the guy says, I knew we were meant to be. But things quickly change. The woman, when we finally embraced, baby, I can't keep this pace. The woman, I love you, there I said it. The man, I think I'm gonna need a medic. The woman, baby, I might die without you. The man, I might die. The woman, I would run to you. The man, I'm not as strong as you. The woman, love is a speeding comet. The man, I'm in a pool of my own vomit. At this point, she's scaling the mountains and running, and it looks like he's still in New York City. The woman, love is a perfect vision. Man, this was such a bad decision. He says, as he gets wheeled into an ambulance, the woman loves makes everything serene. The man, give me all of your morphine. And he's reconsidering his resolutions to the ambulance drivers. I know we said we'd run across the country together, but I thought we were being symbolic. Why can't we fly and meet somewhere in the middle like Kansas City? It's the Paris of the Plains. And she's still running. While he's doing physical therapy in the hospital, she finally makes it all the way to his hotel room and sings, baby, I love you so much that I would run to you. And together they sing, she says, I would run to you. And he sings, you would run to me. It's a brilliant commercial because it connects with a fundamental truth. There are days we all end up failing miserably and we all need someone who will keep running after us. Today on 1122, the poet reminds us that God is that someone. If you're not sure if you're running to God or away from God, God is running after you. When all your, all your resolutions to love God, others, or yourself better fail miserably, God is still running after you. Lamentations 3.24, the Lord is my portion, says my soul, therefore I will hope in him. I will hope in him. In the message, Eugene Peterson paraphrases this, I'm sticking with God, I say it over and over, he's all I have left. God is my portion, my inheritance, my all, no matter what I do or don't have left. And when I remember this, I can extend mercy to others too. Perhaps those people that I think are the real sinners, the ones doing things society looks down on, or the ones I might think I'm better than, maybe child abusers, or for the poet of Lamentations, those Edomites they wished God would destroy already. Maybe when I recognize how much God runs after me and how much God is merciful towards me, then I can extend a little bit of that same mercy to the people around me. Like in the poet's day, there are children crying for bread and wine, fainting like the wounded in the streets today. And we're called to feed the least of these. This year, may we remember that we can never run out of God's loving kindness. This year, may we remember that God's womb-like compassion never comes to an end, and may we remember that God is steady when we are not.